right. One of the radio host's most frightening things is if she can pronounce her guests' names properly. I should have clarified that, but I'll do my best. Joining me this morning from one of the greatest organizations uh, to defend freedom and liberty here in Wisconsin, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, otherwise known as Will, Will Policy Director Kyle Conan. Did I get it right, Kyle? Uh, it's. I think that's how most get it, but it's uh, Canaan. Canaan. You, you know, yeah. I was. I was sort of. I was. I thought, is it Canaan or Conan? And and honestly, I was inclined to say Canaan, but of course, I blew it. So anyway, nonetheless, I know how to pronounce Kyle. Very glad that you're joining me this morning. And you know, as I said to you, joked off air. Uh, this uh, well, will applauding the state assembly for passing a constitutional amendment on governor veto powers i said let's have a constitutional uh amendment on i actually call him governor veto so this was a really good headline for me but um as it pertains to really any governor whether it's a republican governor or a democrat governor there has to be some sort of i don't know if you want to say checks and balances when it comes to how uh the governor can line item veto whatever he or she I guess wants, and I mean we're we're feeling the effects of that, or we will for the next what four hundred years as of right now. Yeah, four four hundred two years. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for having me on this sure. morning, Meg. Delighted. Um, so I, I guess I can do some level setting and kind of remind people of how we got to this constitutional amendment, and what happened in the state budget. So, um, yeah, in the state budget, as part of the overall kind of education compromise, the legislature gave local school districts the authority to raise their revenue limits um, by $325 per pupil for both the 2023-24 school year and the 24-25 school year. So uh, what that means is they can basically have the authority to raise your your taxes slightly to kind of adjust with inflation. Um, But what Governor Evers did, he kind of used some creative trickery with his veto pen and struck out 2023 and 2024 and combined 24-25 together to make it, in fact, that 24-25. So what that means is instead of a uh, two-year $325 per pupil tax increase, you're going to have a 402-year kind of or have, have the ability for school districts to raise taxes for the next 402 years. You know, when I think of uh, he, uh, Governor Vito, as I like to affectionately refer to, refer to him, and his team sitting around, I think of Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers movies. And that's sort of what I, what I envision uh, Governor Vito or Governor Evers is doing when he um, operates in this manner. I mean, so do you, well, I guess as far as this amendment, I mean, when would we see it on, uh, well, in an up, I mean, it, would it make the Nove- It wouldn't make the November ballot, would it? No. So, uh, I guess to remind your listeners of the of the constitutional amendment process, um, a constitutional amendments have to pass two consecutive legislative sessions. Mm-hmm. So this one is on what we call first consideration. It's uh, uh, it needs to pass both houses of the legislature uh, this this session, and then uh, hopefully early next year. Uh, the, the legislature would come back, pass that. And I think the earliest it could get on a ballot, uh, depending on if they passed it right away next session, would be uh, the April 2025 uh, ballot. So at that point, it would go to voters and they would have the ability to kind of vote it up or down. 
So in the assembly, which obviously it just passed, was it on straight party lines or were there any Democrats that were in support of it? Yeah, unfortunately, it was on straight party lines. So, and it's probably good to clarify what the amendment does. Uh, you, you would think you would get bipartisan support for this, but um, the the amendment's pretty simple. It says that no governor from either party can has the authority to use their line item veto to raise taxes or fees, or in the case of what happened in this budget, have the authority to allow other governments to raise their taxes and fees, which is uh, kind of what the the original language in the budget did. So um, it did pass the assembly late last week um, on a party line vote. And we're expecting a hearing hopefully sometime in early March in the Senate so we can uh, get it on the floor in, in kind of the waning days of session here. There's probably probably only going to be on the floor a couple more days. Boy, you know, why? what is it about Democrats that they they despise taxpayers so much that they wouldn't want to support something like this that frankly would also and and i mean not even just as it applies to i mean this particular topic but any kind of uh well whether it's a republican or a democrat governor it would prevent again him or her from any kind of line item vetoes um you know it's it's really uh, so it does just apply to it just just apply to raising taxes or fees is that is that the gist of the Okay. Well, yeah, that, so that maybe maybe I've maybe I've answered my own question because obviously Democrats have never have never known a tax that they didn't love, <laughs> and but unfortunately we are all forced to suffer as a result of that. So, uh, what do you? I, I mean, I presume that. Well, so we would have to wait until twenty twenty five on this issue, and you know who who's who's to say what will happen in the meantime. Uh, in, in light of the fact that we have we now have new maps and the uh, potential for a change in the uh, in the makeup of our legislature, so let's move on while we have time to Assembly uh, Bill 900 and talk a little bit about um, the decoupling and I guess start with what it means and how it will provide necessary relief to uh, choice schools in Wisconsin. Yeah, so AB 900 is, uh, as you call it, the decoupling bill. Um, it, it basically changes the method in the way that uh, choice schools are funded in the state. So uh, currently, uh, it's kind of comp complicated, but currently what happens is uh, the state pays, let's say, a voucher amounts $10,000 per kid. The state will pay that, but then they'll reduce the aid to the home district of that student by the same amount. But then uh, that home district's allowed to go to taxpayers and levy additionally for that kid, even though they're no longer educating them. So what this would do, and again, that's complex. What this would do is simplify that process and have the state just fund uh, the choice and charter programs around the state. And there's several reasons why that's beneficial to taxpayers. It's beneficial to public schools and it's beneficial to uh, choice and charter schools. So. I think on the taxpayer side, what that in effect means, because uh, school districts will no longer be able to levy new taxes for those kids that they're no longer educating, uh, which you'd see is a pretty sizable uh, property tax cut around the state. And uh, AB 900 uh, would be somewhere between 220 and $295 million. Uh, there's some factors that uh, would play into whether or not 
what the number would be, but it's at least $220 million in property tax cuts around the state. Um, for choice schools, I think what it does is it gives them the certainty uh, moving forward and kind of eliminates one of the central um, criticisms of the choice program is that it diverts tax money away, which isn't entirely true at all, but it definitely uh, has a property tax impact and this would help get, alleviate that problem. Well, so Kyle, I mean, just for the, um, I, I guess the uh, dummies 101. So, where, I mean, if if it's not coming from property taxes, and you know, I know I notice you use the term state funded, and let's face it, every single thing that is paid for by the government or the state is actually some in some form taxpayer money. So, where does the money? Well, I mean, I guess what. What uh, bucket does this money come from then if it's not coming from property taxes? Yes, yeah, so the uh, the bucket it would come from, the state has kind of our general fund is called general purpose revenue, which is kind of a mix of income and sales taxes, essentially. Um, but one thing to kind of note with this, this actually would bring um, the kind of the statewide choice program and the Racine program in line with Milwaukee. So Milwaukee is currently or will be funded next year completely with state tax dollars. So um, what we're trying to do is bring them to the same level playing field. So, you know, communities around the state can enjoy the same property tax benefit, uh, relief that Milwaukee's currently getting for their program. And obviously that's, uh, that's the largest choice program in the state. So, you know, I guess I, it's interesting to me, those that are in opposition to school choice, even to begin with and how they, like to argue that it's somehow uh, taking money from the public schools. And, and, and I mean, ultimately, if indeed they make this claim that it costs X number of dollars, and of course you can never get a firm amount, and why it is that it costs more in some cities in Wisconsin and others to properly educate a student, yet the uh, the proficiency scores don't correlate in any way with that. It, it, it's it's always been odd to me that someone would argue against uh, the money following the child. And I mean, if you are really, if if those on the left are really, really passionate and concerned about educating the individual child, then they should be in favor of any means to do so. And if it, it you know, in, in the case of uh, Milwaukee choice schools, uh, the majority, if I'm not mistaken, are coming from, um, well, from the inner city. And so it's not as if these are wealthy families that are somehow, uh, you know, saving their money that they could put towards tuition. Uh, it's actually just diverting whatever property taxes or, you know, whatever taxes there are to the school of their choice. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's 100% a fair assessment. And I think it's important for people to understand, too, that our choice programs in Wisconsin are means tested. So, um, as you said, it's going to be mostly uh, lower income or uh, lower middle income families that get to benefit from this program. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I guess, again, I'll just say, I mean, let's 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 call it what it is. If If, again, if people are if tr- if they're truly if their heart is in the right place that they want children uh, all over the state to have the best education possible then it's really tough to argue against wanting to fund 
every, you know, these various programs, including choice and charter schools, because a one size fits all education is not is not what's best for each individual child. Well, Kyle Kanan, I got your name right at the end. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm very grateful for all that your organization does. And I know it's will-law.org if you need more information. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy this lovely Friday. You too, Meg. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll talk again soon. Going to a break. We'll be right back on the WSAU Wisconsin Morning News. Hear Meg and Chris anywhere on WSAU.com and the iHeartRadio app. And there it is. From WSAU.